unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. Bomb, 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 bomb. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome. It's Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Your place for the Raw and Unscripted Show with yours truly, Christopher Roush, your no excuses coach. And you at your place where we help you overcome your self created crap, like the announcement said, without the self help fluffy bullshit. Appreciate you guys being here, whether you're live or on the replay. We appreciate you, as always, being a part of our un. Uh, wrong show our uh our misfits for life crew i was thinking about the unfiltered experience which we were just doing friday night you guys know that so uh thank you guys for being here thank you for being a part of the misfits for life family yes kick ass kick ass kick ass i hope wherever this uh broadcast finds you whether you're listening to this on the audio podcast or you're watching with us on the video podcast on linkedin youtube or any of the facebook groups or pages or via instagram thank you guys for being here we appreciate you and as a matter of fact we are on show number 185 here of the raw and unscripted podcast 185 shows 185 hours of amazing content interviewing beautiful people who have stretched themselves and have found success and they have found authenticity they found the secrets to life and i brought them here to you on these broadcasts so thank you guys for being here a part of the family and uh as always want to just do a little shout out here for my organization help heal humanity for those of you guys listening on the podcast, helphealhumanity.org is an amazing organization that I've been involved with for a couple of years now. I sit on the board of directors with them, and it's just a phenomenal organization. One of the reasons that makes it so powerful is the fact that nobody takes a paycheck on the board or within the organization at all. We all do this volunteer base. What we do is we raise money for certain initiatives, and all that money goes towards those initiatives for the expenses and everything to make things happen. And if you guys have been following me for any length of time, you guys know we're raising money right now for a country in dire need. Uh, the country of Haiti. I just saw a news report today uh, talking about the, 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 the chaos going on over there. And even amidst the chaos, we're still trying to send kids to school and not only send kids to school, but also feed them. The food insecurity in Haiti and many of these countries right now is just off the chart. They're talking about millions of people going hungry and starving, and we can't have that. Not here on the Ron and Scripted Show, not on the Unfiltered Experience, not anything that I'm a part of. If we have the opportunity, we can we can donate five bucks, 10 bucks, 25 bucks, whatever it might be. If you could donate 200 bucks or better yet, if you can sponsor a child, I personally will gift you some coaching. So when you guys do that and you guys have done that you've sent me the screenshots let me know if you make a 200 donation i will give you an hour of my coaching at the very least uh and if you sponsor a child geez i will take care of you for quite a bit of time so it's just my way of saying thank you uh when you go out there and do things and you you find resources within yourself whether to 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 do a fundraising event whether to be a part of the board of directors i've offered that out there a few times i've had some people inquire actually or if you have uh, you know, money in your pocket and you would like to sit there and make a tax deductible donation to a place where the, the money actually goes towards something, I would appreciate and love you guys. And you guys have done that out there. Like I said before, sometimes you send me a text message to say, Chris, I can only afford 25 bucks. Hey, thank you. That 25 bucks actually goes towards feeding those kids. And that's not even a joke. We do uh, rice, beans, and I think something else. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it, but that doesn't matter. We're trying to feed these kids because we were sending them to school, but we found out because they were so hungry that they couldn't even barely concentrate. And that's horrible. You can't imagine trying to learn when you're totally, totally hungry. You haven't eaten in a day or two. Come on now. 
that's not right. And so together we can actually lift these people up and help them uh, succeed and, and change the trajectory of what has been happening in their country. Um, they're just at the wrong place at the wrong time. And I don't even know what to do to actually solve their situation. Uh, but I know that we can actually as individuals do what we can through our pocketbook and through our actions. So thank you for helping me help heal humanity, help heal humanity.org for you guys listening on the podcast. Again, whatever you can do, let's do what we can as Bon Jovi says. So yes, definitely got Anya in the house. What's up, Anya? Thank you so much for being here. She says, hello. What's up, Anya? Hope you are uh, doing awesome. I hope this broadcast finds you smiling and enjoying your moments. Thank you, darling, for being here. And uh, tonight we have got a great, a great show for you. It's not too often I've, I've actually repeated having a guest on one of my broadcasts, but this particular individual, he's an amazing soul. I've known him for probably about 10 years now. He wrote a book called How a, How a Beaver Saved My Life. And I read this book and it was pretty amazing because I wasn't too really into how we can use our mind to heal our bodies or how we can really use our mind to do things back in the, the day when I interviewed him. And, I, and it was just so profound what he did and, and his perspective on life and his perspective on the things that we can accomplish in our life if we just take that imperfect action and set ourselves forward. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the uh, Ron and Scripted show, Mr. Gary Barnes. What's up, Gary? Thank you for being here on the Ron and Scripted show. Sorry, I've got too many different shows in my brain right now. I just did the unfiltered experience on Friday and for some reason they're crossing over. How are you doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing fantastic, you know, and it really doesn't matter. We're here. Yeah, yes. that's the most important thing. We're alive, we're kicking, we're really, you know, this is what it's about is living in the moment, not in the future, not in the past, but right now. And I'm just, you know, excited to be here with you again. Yes. Thank you. It's been a while. We, you were on my, uh, the kick-ass radio show, which I think was back in like 2013. That's when I broadcasted from blog talk radio. And, uh, I remember we had an amazing conversation. I was inspired by you and I see what you're doing out there in social media land. And I just see you, you're lit. Like you said, you're truly living life. You're vibrant. You're engaged with life. You know, you just, you're definitely a participant of that. And so I want to dig deeper into that. And what I want to do tonight is for the people who are watching and listening to this, whether it's live or on the replay, I want to send people away with some empowering tools and things that they can do and take action on take that imperfect action on to slowly build that confidence and that courage to be out there truly experiencing life it's not always perfect or easy or anything else but at the end of the day it's always worthwhile so i appreciate you being here and um my first question for you is thinking about the pandemic i just kind of talked about that in the intro a little bit the last couple of years have been super chaotic what have you learned over the last couple of years maybe about yourself or about in society or about anything what is like what some of your biggest things that you've taken away from spending this time during the pandemic you know, a, a couple of things. One is that there's always an end to whatever the challenge is. And we just didn't know it was going to be quite as long as it was. Uh, but, you know, I've lived long enough to where we've gone through some really terrible, traumatic things in the, the country. And yeah. everything has an end. And the, the other thing was, you know, I really disliked the word pivot because <laughs> when I played basketball, I wasn't any good. Um, but to be able to have that ability to not get stuck in an old paradigm to where, okay, it's got to be this way. And if it's not this way, we're just going to sit down and let the world go by. And, you know, the, the creativity that came out of the pandemic yeah. is something that, you know, we're all experiencing now that whiplash or that bungee cord pulled from, you know, that, you know, maybe a little darker place, but now we're seeing a lot of new technology. We're seeing, you know, just what we're doing right now. Yeah. We really didn't see the blossoming of podcasts before the pandemic. It's something that was created because we had to stay connected. Yeah. And because of that, we're, you know, we, we have a whole lot more tools and the ability. The other thing is, is that not to be a one horse pony. 
You know, yeah. you've got to have multiple avenues to be able to pivot from to to adjust to. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons that a lot of people learned. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, it was a it was a matter of people sitting there taking that. And this is what I saw. I saw quite a few people sitting there saying, okay, this is a time for me to pause. This is a time for me to reflect. This is a time for me to actually put my money where my mouth is, where all the time I've said, I don't have time to do these things. I don't have time to do these things. And I was bitching at people for those first six weeks. I'm like, we're in a lockdown, man. You talked about writing a book. You talked about researching this. You talked about starting this. You talked about ending this. So I was getting in people's asses going, okay, are you doing it? Are you doing it? And I found probably about 60 to 70% of the people were doing it, but I just found like 30% of the people were just like taken by surprise that this shift in the world could really happen on that magnitude of a level. And the other thing that had them uh, really going was the, the divisiveness that they were seeing in the news. A lot of these people watch the news. I'm not a news person. I'm not a political junkie. I watch a little bit just to kind of stay informed, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't build my life around what the news narrative is because I think it's all bullshit. I think a lot of it's, you know, the bleed, the lead, you know, all that good stuff. And you watch the news and there's like you know 99 of the stuff is horrible and divisive and and fear mongering and then there's like and in today's news here's our hero for the week let's spend 20 seconds on this one hero that did fucking something that changed everybody's lives we're going to spend 20 seconds on that i don't have any time for that but i just i noticed that people just got stuck in that cycle of negativity and they just felt like it was toppling upon themselves and that's one of the reasons why I started that. I talk about the unfiltered experience, which is my Friday night show. We started it as Friday night live during the pandemic, just as a way to bring positivity and levity to people who were stuck at home. And it was a blast. I mean, we, we did it and we, we brought people together and helped people keep, help people helped. I can't talk today, helped people keep, uh, positive through you know the chaos and everything so i appreciate that boy what what for you it really is a long-standing accomplishment out of the pandemic you write you another know, book it, it, for for me it really was a confirmation uh, you know we have these identity words that sometimes we give to a year and my word has been for a long time now expansion yeah and so the pandemic gave me that ability to really look beyond what i was doing where I was impacting people. And I felt like I was doing a good job, but I wasn't doing a great job. Ah. And so having permission and actually a forced permission to really expand out of that really was a blessing in disguise. And it would really reconfirm for me also is to focus on what I could control, not yes. what I can't control. And that's really what you were just saying with politics and all the other chaos and weather, whatever it is, we literally have no way of controlling those things. But what can we control and what is our reaction to the things that are happening around us? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the hurricane is one of those illustrations I've used forever. I want to say in the center of the hurricane where it's really calm and peaceful and there's birds and blue sky. We get into the outer bands, you're, you're going to feel some hurt. <laughs> so it, it really is staying in your lane, developing that, and really connecting with your mission. What is it? I, I call mm -hmm. it the so what to so that process. You know, we're doing this, so what? What is the real action out of it that gives a benefit? And so once we start really connecting, that if we don't do what we do, it doesn't get done and <laughs> someone doesn't get help. Yeah. I love, I love what you're saying right there. And what it did is it just, it just spawned a, 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 a question in my brain. Sorry. I've got too many. I got to slow down for a second. I've been, I've like, I've been going like since six o'clock this morning, like meeting after meeting, after meeting, after meeting, after phone call, running errands and doing stuff like that. I'm like, okay. I get it. So, 
So when I think about what you're talking about, I think about for me during the pandemic, one of the things that I found myself saying was I'm doing the best I can, or I did the best I could. And then I actually stopped Gary and I said, was that my best? And I actually questioned myself. I'm like, wait a minute, where did that, where did that statement? I'm doing the best I can came from. And I'm like, Oh, when we were little kids, Hey Gary, do the best you could on X. Um, yeah, I did. Okay. Well, we'll do better next time. Okay. Well, we, nobody clarifies what better is. Nobody clarifies what our best is. What, in your opinion, I mean, you've been, you've been out there in the speaking circuit and, and coaching people for quite some number of years. What is, what do you think that secret is? How do we find out what our best is and how do we measure that? You know, I think the, the main ingredient is we only compare ourselves to ourselves. Yeah. Uh, for years, I, I would, if I was competing with you, Christopher, and I, I would say, okay, I'm going to back up and let you win. But I started realizing that if I only compared and competed with me, then I could rise to a level that I even sometimes get surprised by and it becomes normal. Mm -hmm. The other thing is I have, I, I really live by this moniker of the no try. You know, oh, so yeah. much of the time we say, we're going to try, we're going to yeah. try. But I ask clients and audiences, you know, if you are inviting your best friend to Saturday night for a party and they say, we're going to try to make it, do you mm -hmm. expect them to? And the reality is, no, they're just not wanting to tell you no. You don't set a place for them. You don't expect them. So when we do it to ourselves, we're literally backing out the door. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've created this no try zone and my license plate on my car literally says no try. That's my man right there, Gary. That's great. You know, it's funny because I love that you said that because when people sit there and say, I'm going to try, I'm like, you're full of shit. You're, you're exactly what you said. That gives me an opportunity to sit there and say, no matter what I do, as long as I tried, then I fulfilled my obligation. But I tell people, you're either going to do it or you're not. Why, how about how about just getting off the fence right now? Let's just get off the fence. Are you going to do it or you're not? And that's why I'm the no excuses coach, because people say they go, well, you know, uh, either it's important or it isn't. Like if it's not important, why are you putting it up in a position where it, where it could be important? Really identify what's most important in your life and not try and go for it with unabandoned, un unapologetic uh, tenacity. I mean, that's why I'm sitting in front of you today because I just took uh, imperfect action every single step. When I went back to school after being a seventh grade dropout, I took imperfect action to go back and get my GED. When my mentor told me to go to, to college, I was like, I thought he was crazy, but I took imperfect action. I said, okay, as long as I get through the front door of the admissions room, I've done, I've, 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 I've appealed him. And I went in there and I just took imperfect action. I, I'd like to go to school here. I have no idea what to do. Three hours later, I walked out with a business major in my first class. Imperfect action just kept doing that because I set the right priority for what it is I want to do. What is your what is your recommendation for people watching this? I found this lately seemed to be, especially here towards the end of the year. It's the beginning of the year. I ask people about how their goal setting regimen is and what they're doing to close out the year. I'm actually giving a speech for a business entity um, next week that talks about you know what's my year end practice for winding down my goals, for measuring my progress, for setting the goals next year. What kind of things do I have to to measure against my success? What is that for you and your clients actually? You know, one of the things, and this is going to be a little bit backwards, maybe, is that celebrate the year that we have. Yeah. Whatever you have done, celebrate that. Because if you demean and demote what you have accomplished this year, you're not going to put your full effort into next year because we don't want to be disappointed. Yes. I've asked audiences this question a lot, where what is that one activity that we used to do every New Year's Eve? And it was the New Year's Eve resolution. <laughs> 
And I would get maybe one or two out of two or 300 people that would raise their hand and say, I still do it. And I ask, why don't you? Mm -hmm. And they, the, the common answer was, why would I want to be so far behind on January 3 and feel so bad that I know that I can never catch up? And so we have taught ourselves not to risk, not to put ourselves out there. And not to risk means that we're just allowing life to fly by. And when we do that, we're wasting the biggest gift that we have all been given. And, and that is life. And when, when we don't really engage life, the, the inscription that I write in the Beaver book is life is an adventure. Enjoy the ride. Yeah. But if you're not in the car, you're not in the airplane, you're not in engaged in it, you're not going to enjoy the ride. And that's why we have people having heart attacks on Sunday night because they have to go back to work. Yep, that's the most they're, popular they're, day. They're just disengaged. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And uh, I love what you said about that because when I think about, you know, the fact that you know, there's either there's either that participation in life. I talk, I talk about either truly living or existing and the people who are existing are the ones that are going, looking at every social media going, Oh, that person's look like they're having fun. Oh, they, they got a nice relationship. Oh, they've got to just got a new car. Okay. Well maybe someday I hope, wish and pray that someday I'll be able to find the right person. I hope, wish and pray that someday I'm like, where the fuck is someday on a calendar? Um, what's this hoping, wishing and praying? What, what actual actions are you taking? What, what actions are you taking to get out of your comfort zone? And what actions are you taking to become more resourceful? Because I find Gary, I've done this experiment quite a few times the last couple of years. Most of the time when I'm talking to people, I said, what's your biggest obstacle? What's your biggest issue? Money, money or time. I'm like, okay, money. I said, okay, how much money would you need right now to like, just make you feel like, okay, I could breathe. And for some reason, I don't know why this is, it's about $10,000. That's uh, for the most part, people feel like if I had $10,000, I could, I could pay down some of my debt and I could feel a little bit better. I'm like, okay, so what if I told you that you could, you have to come up with $10,000 in the next seven days. It can't be illegal, immoral, or unethical. These people on zoom calls will sit there and say, well, Chris, if I could get $10,000 in seven days, I wouldn't need you as a coach. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Tell me about the person you love the most in your life. Like on a scale of one to 10, they're a 10. You would take a bullet for them. You would do anything possible that you need to do for them. Most oftentimes it's somebody that they're, it's their kid. I'm like, okay. So I just recently had this, this example the other day and I said, okay, who's this child in your life? Well, it's my daughter. What's your daughter's name? Faith. Okay. Faith. How much do you love faith on a scale of one to 10? 10. Would you take a bullet for faith? Yes. Okay. So going back to that example, I want you to raise $10,000 and it can't be illegal and moral and ethical in the next seven days. We're going to switch the game up a little bit. You're going to come home from work tomorrow and faith is going to be sitting in a chair. And I said, I'm going to go dark. I forgot always to, I always go dark, dark. I'm like, you're going to walk in the front door of your house. Faith is going to be sitting in a chair and there's going to be a gentleman with a nine millimeter to faith's head. And they're going to say to you, you need to come up with $10,000 and it can't be illegal and moral and ethical in the next seven days. Otherwise I'm going to pull the trigger. Do you come up with the $10,000? Yes or no, Gary, everybody it's so fun. I wish they could, I should actually record it and show their expression because immediately there is no question. There's no doubt. Yes, I would. And yeah. so they don't, they don't, they don't realize what I'm going to do to them next. I'm like, okay, what shifted? What shifted before you telling me that if you had $10,000, you wouldn't need me to now me sitting there putting you in a situation and they're like, uh, well, I would have to, I'm like, okay. So you'd have to want it bad enough. There would be enough leverage in the game for you to want it bad enough. So if you're not willing to go out there and do what you need to do to get what you think you want, then maybe that's an indication that you don't want it anymore. And sometimes we hang on to the things that we, that we don't want anymore because it's a pride of honor or we, there's sunk cost bias in there. Talk to us about that. You know, the, the whole thing is everything that we are working from a mindset today, we have learned. 
The yeah. good news is that if we learned it, we can unlearn it. And the, the process that I don't think we can ever erase those messages, but we can put new messages in and then we have a choice of which you know, rail we go down. <laughs> and you know, the, the, I love working with immigrants, people that have come from countries where there were no opportunities and, oh, they, come yeah. there and, and they create massive amounts of success not only in money, but in family and education, all the things that they want to create that was not available to them in their home countries. Right. We have Americans that are born in this opportunity that just don't see it. We call it a scartoma. It's right there. But, you know, I think the biggest thing that people wait for is permission. Yeah. They need permission to engage. And I don't think they need it, but they needed to hear it because that was their programming. In you know, school, we had to raise our hand to go to the bathroom. We had to raise our hand to talk. It's true. You know, you know and so we have been good little soldiers marching in a line. And I never was. I got in trouble a lot. And that's why I think you, you, you know, you and I go, you know, along the same lines there. But the thing is, is that when people are given permission that they see the opportunities and now it's about receiving. I ask audiences this too, is it better to give or to receive? And almost, I get about a 50-50, it's better to give, receive. And for those that say it's better to give, I ask this question, how can you give without first receiving? Ah, there it is. That's what I'm talking about. We have a guilt society that you know whether it, you know i come from a ministerial background years and years ago and they, there, there was a phrase that they use a lot give till it hurts <laughs> and I said, why don't we change that around give till it feels good there you go but you can't give if you do not have the wherewithal you were talking about the kids in haiti you know i just i'm on a board of a nonprofit, and i i'm I, i'm always you know it gives me so much joy to give without yeah. acknowledgement yeah. That's the other thing that I like. You know, I, just, I just don't want the thank you. Don't want it. This is just because it's the right thing to do for me. But if we're not willing to receive those that we train, and I'm going to talk to the parents. If you're not willing to receive, you're teaching yeah. your kids not to receive. I'm so true. What you want for them. Yeah. I mean, you got to set the example and you got to, it's about the pride and everything else. I mean, I've, I've learned in my life that, it before I was like, give, 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 give. And then all of a sudden I've had people in my life like, Chris, you have to receive. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And I used to be that stoic, strong person. Like, no, I just want to give. I just want to serve. But then it wasn't to your point. It wasn't until I really learned how to receive that I learned to understand the giving part a little bit better. Oh, you know, and when we do that, we become a conduit. Now, the thing is, is that we want to make sure that we receive and maintain that amount that is you know, beneficial to us, our family, our businesses. But it's not about when we really believe a law of abundance, that we live in a universe of abundance, not a lack, yeah. is that we can allow things to flow through knowing that there's going to be more coming after that. It wasn't by accident. It was we have already won the lottery three times. We were number one born. I mean, yep. we beat out everything else that could have been us. 600 million we sperm or something like that? Oh, yeah, I know. It's an astronomical, you know, I used to deal with numbers. I don't deal with them anymore. But <laughs> yeah, it's astronomical. But then we're born in this time frame. 
and we're born in, or we find ourselves, whether you're born here or not, in this country. Mm-hmm. We won the lottery three times, so what are you going to do about it? It's like having a lottery check that you refuse to take to the bank. Mm-hmm. Right now is what we have, and that's the gift. It's so true. And, and to your point earlier, uh, I don't know if you remember, uh, I think his name was Miguel Sanchez. He was a part of uh, Craig's group, and he wrote a book, If You Can't Make It in America, then you can't make it anywhere or something like that. He was a, he was a Mexican immigrant and he was just talking about how the fact that he goes, he goes, Americans sit there, sit, sit there and say, Oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. He goes, I come from Mexico. i grew up with a dirt floor. I came to America and I started my own business. And I, he goes, everything, everybody here has so many opportunities and so many resources. And every once in a while, Gary, honestly, people will hit me up privately and they're like, why are you supporting Haiti? You know, there's so many things going on here in the United States. And I'm like, we're actually doing things here in the United States. We actually do things in Canada. I said, but the fact in Haiti, they have nothing. They have nothing. They, they don't even have mirrors to see how they look. But God's honest truth. Uh, Serena, our CEO, was there after the last earthquake there in Haiti. And I asked her, you know, she's taking video and pictures. And I said, does anybody ever like feel like you're intruding on their life or, or publicizing their life or, you know, something like that? And she goes, no, Chris, actually to the opposite. She goes, they want us to take pictures and take video because they don't never see what they all look like together. They don't have mirrors. They don't have cameras. They don't have cell phones. And it just broke my heart to think about that. And so when I tell people like, you know, the reason why I'm supporting a country like Haiti is because they have zero, they have nothing. They want water. They want a tarp. They're standing on concrete blocks that have their loved ones underneath them that they're not going to get resurrected because there's no, there's no city services. There's no nothing to come there and move that stuff that they're actually living on top of their dead relatives. I'm like, come on, there's, there's gotta be something we could do. And and it doesn't matter about boundaries. It matters about the fact that we're all living human beings and regardless of our skin color, regardless of our logistical situation, we should all be helping one another rise up. And I said, that's why we do it. And 99% of the time people go, Oh, I never thought about it that way. Like, yeah. You know, it, we have these opportunities around us all the time, and we, you know, most people will say, you know, there have been times that I wanted to give, I wanted to support, or even give up their time, yeah. and that we just can't, we don't have it, and they feel very bad about it, but is it a choice? That, that's the thing that I really look at is, what are my choices in life? And my youngest son just told his wife, uh, a couple of weeks ago, that I don't think Dad's ever going to retire. He doesn't have hobbies. He doesn't have toys. I mean, I've said for years, this is who I am, not what yeah. I do. And so the 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 gift for me is to be able to hear the story behind the story, to be able to make a difference as part of my mission statement, to make a difference, but not and to empower, but not my power to you, but helping people connect the power that's already within them. Yes. You said something earlier about the the beaver story where I healed, you know, people say, how did you heal yourself? I was just actually going to ask you that question. That's funny. (laughs) You know, it's not about healing myself. I rewired myself. We have a magnificent component of nerves and cells and organs and whatever. And we know we can reprogram and redesign because within the... I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 1988 and was told I would be dead or in a wheelchair within 10 years. Obviously, I'm ornery because I'm still here. And when I'm 33 years, I'm on, this is what I call bonus time now. Yeah. Like all the experts said I wasn't going to be here. But I didn't, I don't see it as magical that I re, you know, healed myself in some, you know, crazy way. Mm-hmm. I rewired myself through the process that I, I worked through. But the thing is, is that it, 
how does that? I still have no feelings in my my hands. I went completely numb from the neck down. I lost all feelings, lost the ability to write, to walk, and I still have very little, uh, little feelings in my feet. I've fallen off two stages, you know. Oh. But the thing is, is that what I came to understand was it will never be perfect, but it will always be enough. Yes. You know, I laid in bed one night and I realized that I would never feel the skin of my wife again the way I had. But I was still there to have a relationship with her. Yeah. It was enough. Yes, I have to adjust or I chose to adjust, not to wallow in it, not to go down. And the other thing, I never owned the illness. I've never said I had. So when we deal with money, people say I'm broke, I'm poor. No, neither Mm. one. I'm experiencing that. You know, poor is a state of mind. Yeah. Your $10,000 illustration, where did the creativity? If you really, really had to do it, would you be able to? And the answer is yes. Yes. Yeah. Just that's what I love to do. I love to find people's inner warrior, their inner kick-ass unstoppable person. Cause everybody single, everybody has, it. I mean, that's why, that's why you hear stories like how did that grandmother, you know, lift the car off of, off the baby when they had the accidents, because there was a big enough amount of leverage in her why to make that shit happen. And I mean, that's, that's truly the, the, the remarkable aspect of life. And I think that one of the things, Gary, and I want to get your opinion on this, obviously is fear is like the number one uh, a factor in most people not taking that next step. They're afraid of judgment. They're afraid of failure. They're afraid of, you know, it not being good enough as what's compared in their dreams. I was just talking to somebody about that the other day. I said, why do you think it is that you haven't, you haven't succeeded in this thing that you want to do? And she was going through all these different things. And I said, I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw something out there and I want you to see if it, if it, if it attaches to you. And she goes, what? And I said, I said, I think for you, the fear of it not being as good as you think it is in your brain has what has kept you from trying harder in, in, in order to, to meet it. And she sat there and she stopped. She goes, oh my God, I never thought of it that way. And I said, it may never be as perfect as I have it in your mind, but the fact that you take that imperfect action and you learn as you grow, then you're going to get there ultimately. But if you don't, if you don't actually jump, if you don't take those first steps, it's always going to be out there in the world. But ultimately when you're 78 years old and you might be on your deathbed, you're going to have all sorts of time to sit there and look back like, oh, I could have done this and I could have done this and I should have done that. So talk to us about that. How can we get people to eliminate their fear? Maybe not eliminate their fear, but reduce their fear and their anxiety of maybe it not being perfect or maybe, you know, stepping outside of their comfort zone or maybe, maybe, maybe somebody not thinking that they're the, they're the, the all end all be all in what they're doing. I mean, talk to us about that. Yeah. You know, I, I think <clears throat> the word that was coming up for me in your illustration was judgment from outside and inside. And we're wanting that confirmation. We're wanting acceptance. And when it doesn't happen, then we we really resist that that going for it attitude. Uh, the brain waves that we know, the brain waves of fear and excitement are exactly the same thing. Yes. I, I look at fear as it can do two things. It can stop us in our tracks. And sometimes we need to. There's a train coming. We need to move, you know, there's some bad thing, you know, go inside with the hurricane or whatever. Exactly. But then there's that false evidence appearing real. We have created a story. And here's something else that we do. I'm kind of a wordsmith type of guy. And we rationalize why we're doing or not doing something. And if we look at the word rationalize, you break it down. It's rational lies. Ah. There is nothing that you rationalize that is not a lie. You're creating a story that you can accept to justify 
what it is that you're doing or not doing. And when we do that, we're limiting ourselves within the capabilities, the abilities that we have. And if somebody has an abundance uh, block, particularly with money, you know, I, what I tell them is that go ahead, make all of this, receive all of it and give 99% away. Go ahead. Yeah. You, you'll live a really great life on that 1%. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I mean, it, we often overbuild something in our own brain because, you know, when we're kids, we're sitting there and we're, we're told to stop dreaming. We're told, get your head out of the clouds and all these different things. Be more realistic. So we sit there within the confines of what we've mapped out for ourselves, which I have termed now comfortably miserable. I'm comfortable. I'm good enough. I'm just good enough. But I'm like, you know, and, and, um, um, Jesus Christ, I'm gonna forget his name all of a sudden. Uh, Steve Harvey, Steve Harvey, the game show host, the comedian. Steve Harvey has an amazing video out there that my coach had me watch and it's called jump. It's about a minute and 23 seconds. And in that video video, and she knew, she knew my scarcity mindset from being homeless and everything. And she had me, she goes, you got to watch this video. And in this video, he goes, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to sit there. You look at everybody else. They're flying. They're flying to the South of France. They're doing this. They're doing all these different things. And you're like, man, I want to do that. And he goes, the reason why they're doing that is because they jumped. He goes, you have to jump too. And when you jump, your parachute's not going to open and your back's going to get scraped up and you're going to feel scared and you're going to, you're going to have all these uncertain feelings, but eventually your parachute will open. He goes, however, ladies and gentlemen, he goes, if you never jump, your parachute will never open. And for me, Gary, that was like, that was the, the, the solidification of me, like sitting there knowing that you have to take those jumps. You have to take those risks. That's what we're here to do. Talk to us about that. I mean, talk to us about what are some, some beginning steps that people can take to get out of that comfort zone. They, maybe they've been living it for 30 years, 40 years, and they're watching this and they're like saying, Hey, I don't want to be comfortably, comfortably miserable. I never said it was okay to be average or good. I want to be great. And I want to be excellent, but I'm scared. And I, and I, and I want to take these progressive steps. What are some steps that people can take um in your in your uh in your sphere of influence of what you prescribe to your clients one of the things that i take people through is a process called get statements and the word get means great expectations today and it takes us you know even beyond goal setting and dreaming but there's five questions that i would ask anybody to just sit down and freeform think around this and the, the questions are, what do I want to have? What do I want to be? What do I want to do? Where do I want to go? And what do I want to give? Those five questions touch everything in our lives. And the thing is with it is when you're not judging what comes up for you, you're just capturing those things of possibilities. Then going back and saying, which ones give the most benefit to me and to others? Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's putting that, you know, as kids, we wanted to be astronauts and I, I wanted to go to space. Well, I, I didn't do the, the, the line to get me there, but now it just takes a quarter of a million dollars and go up in a spaceship, you know, yeah. and go back down. I mean, it just, uh, I flew a P-51 fighter, uh, World War II fighter here a couple of years ago. And people are always saying, well, how did you do that? Well, I had a statement around doing something with sky fighters where you go up and dogfight. I love airplanes. And, but I saw this little reader ad in an airline magazine that said, come fly this P-51 World War II aircraft back in Kissimmee, Florida. And so people say, well, how did you get to do it? I go, I wrote a check. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's not complicated. But I had to allow the reticular cells in my mind to pay attention to what was already there 
because there's so much white noise going on. But if we don't give ourselves permission to think outside the box, do the what if. Yeah. What, what if I was to do this? What if, you know, and it, it's it's not a, a, a game of chance. It's a game of probabilities. Mm-hmm. We're planting seeds. What seeds are you planting? You're, you're, gonna, you're planting seeds no matter what you do. And the unfortunate thing is when people choose just to go through life as a, you know, just a, a carbon silicon type of unit that connects right. one generation to the next, you know, I just think back, wow, what could they have been? Who took their dream away? Yeah. They were told I was a dreamer too. I, Again, I got in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it has served me so well throughout my life because I don't take reality as being the final answer. Mm-hmm. Reality That's- is overrated, really. <laughs> it is, it is. And then to your point, I sit there and I was helping somebody else, uh, somebody out the other day. And I was sitting there talking to them about the power of visual visualization. I said, your mind doesn't know the difference between real reality and perceived reality. And they said, what do you mean by that? And I said, you've had a bad dream, right? And they're like, yeah. And I said, tell me about it. And they said, oh, I've had dreams where I've been chased or, you know, I've been falling or something like that. I said, so what happens when you wake up? And they said, I wake up and you know, I'm sweating and I'm, I'm breathing fast. And I just, I feel like it happened. I'm like, but did it? And they're like, no. I'm like, but what did happen? My mind created a picture. Yeah, your mind created a movie for you to watch and your body watched that movie and went, fuck, that thing's happening right now. Holy shit. I said that same principle, that same ideology works in your favor when you put positive things on that movie screen as well. When you sit there and play, like honestly for me, Gary, I have a video that plays in my head, a couple of different ones. One of them, I'm walking out on stage and I'm seeing like, you know, you see comedians out there and there's 10,000 people in the audience. Like I literally see that. Like I walk, I I hear ACDC Highway to Hell's playing because I'm like, Highway to Hell, let's go. And I walk out and I see all these people and we have just an amazing time. I see that in my mind. I see also a, a, v- a video all the time of me sitting on a, a porch having an ocean view. That's my that's my dream. That, that's not even my dream. It will happen. I will have a balcony where you know, I'm facing an ocean. I don't care what it takes because anytime I've done that and I've held that movie in my head long enough, it's happened. It's happened that it, you, you wire your brain like you were talking about, you know, uh, you know, how you how a beaver saved my back. You wired your brain, you wired your beliefs in that. So I love the power of visualization. And the one thing I'm thinking about in this conversation right now is talking about all the positive things that we could do. But I know there's a lot of people out there struggling with burnout. I think that's one of the biggest things that's happening in the corporate space today. You said generations earlier, and it made me think about that, the multiple generations in the workplace right now. What are some things that people can do to, to eliminate burnout? I mean, one for me. I was helping somebody with the other day was tolerations. And I said, do you know how much stuff you're tolerating in your life? And they said, no. And so I had to do a couple of exercises and they just, they didn't, they didn't realize how much stuff they were tolerating happening in their life. What are some ideas or suggestions that you have to help people overcome burnout? You know, I I think really it's about determining what fills you up. Uh, For me, I'm a drummer and, you know, I get into music. Let's play. yeah, 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 that's why we're you know we're together, dude. Um, but it's uh, I love flying. I love the ocean. I love. We have put off self care, self. And we call it indulgences, and they're not. They're critical pieces of keeping us in the game. Yeah. You know, as you know, I, I, I like to say we're not running a sprint. We're running a marathon. <laughs> and true. In order to complete the race, we're not. Yeah, <laughs> Winning does not always mean coming in first. 
that, that's an interesting concept because we're running our own races. But if we don't take care of ourselves through this process, maybe it's playing golf. Maybe it's, you know, my wife loves quilting. I have no idea why. She says it's relaxing. The words that come out of her studio are not relaxing. She goes, I tell stories on her. But the thing is, is that what is it that really allows you to get up in the morning to say it was worth taking the trip? Mm -hmm. What do you look forward to instead of just saying, okay, we're going to the bar, we're going to do these things, mind altering, the things that will numb you? That's not what I'm talking about. But what what are the things that will energize you? Yeah. If you had any choice in the world right now to do anything, what would it be? And then put it into place. And the other thing that, you know, Tony Robbins made this famous is chunking it down. Yeah. What are the steps to be able to get to that thing? Like with you, your your house uh, with the balcony overlooking the ocean. What are the steps to get there? And so that you know that you're in process. You're not waiting for something to happen by accident. Right. Get lucky, win the lottery. Mm-hmm. You know, no, we've already done that. So what is it that you can do? What we talked about at the very beginning of tonight is what can we control? Yeah. What is it that we can control? And to do that allows us to put that joy, that meaning back into your life. And if for each person, it's going to be a little bit different. Of course. Yeah, I mean, true. And when I think about what you're talking about, and that's that's brilliant advice, by the way. When I think about what you're talking about, one of the other things that popped into my brain was the fact that the other excuse that I hear aside from of, of not having enough money is not having enough time. So what are some ways, you know, obviously we all have 24 hours in a day. That's what I illustrate to people. I'm like, Hey, you know, we have 24 hours a day. JLo has 24 hours in a day. LeBron James has 24 hours in a day. Kobe Bryant, you know, any person you look at, they have 24 hours in a day, but people sit there and say they don't have enough time to go after what's most important in their life. Talk to us about maybe ways you structure your day um, or ways you find more time or ways that people can find more time for themselves. Well, one thing is quit spending time. Invest time. Yeah. When we invest time, we're expecting a return on that investment. And it doesn't matter what it is. And I'm not saying that there's things that, like watching TV. Some Mm. people say that's bad. Well, I enjoy watching TV at times. So I invest the time for the enjoyment that it gives me. Mm -hmm. I don't use it as a tool to escape reality or to adjust away from things that I don't want to do. But the thing that uh, time, we got the same amount. I, I love what you just said is that J-Lo or Rockefeller or whoever, we all have the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. And so what is it that we're going to do with that? How are we going to invest it? What are the, the little things that for those of us that are in business or entrepreneurial, is I, I like giving back 41 hours a week. And one simple example is instead of taking those distractions, say you're working on a project, the phone rings, how much time do you waste going from one task to another? You're stopping Huge. and starting is dedicate yourself to what you're doing. And if you just did that 10 minutes a day, you save 10 minutes a day, five days a week, 50 weeks a year, that would give you 41 points one one hours uh back into your life i love it 41 hours just 10 minutes a day where you're redirecting 10 minutes a day you know if you you're, as the commercial says if you can do 10 minute abs <laughs> why, why <laughs> create a 10 minute life yeah 
you know, 40 hours, what could you do with it? And some people say, well, I'd work more. No, <laughs> let's have a balance life. Would that give you the ability to have a 41 hour vacation? Yeah, no, what it's true. What, what kind of gift would that be? And so not. it's really looking at where your time is going and people don't like doing this, but how are you investing it? Are you putting your efforts in the things that are going to give you a result, which are non, non-fear producing back to the fear. Right. But the things that are higher risk where people can say no to you, where people can reject you, where people can ridicule you. Um, I actually like that at times because it frees up my time working with that individual, that organization and go work with somebody that is ready to engage. Mm-hmm. And so you just look at it a little bit different. Does it feel good? No. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually a gift. Yeah, no, I love that. I, when I think about what you're saying is for me, it's needle movers. Like, is it going to move? What, what I, 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 I'm a fan of, of, of these pads of paper. Like I bought them, I buy them from Amazon at a hundred a clip or something like that, because I'm just a fan every day. I, every day, like after I'm done with this, I'll create my list for tomorrow so that when I come and I'll have it in my brain. So when I come in here tomorrow, my needle movers are already set. So I have three needle movers that are the first thing that I need to focus on. And something I've been trying recently is, is making sure that we work on our needle movers, but I listen to Ed Milet. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Um, Awesome dude. He talks about, I was listening to his book, the power of one more. And he talks about, he goes, most people look at a day as a 24 hour period. He goes, but who made that up? He goes, I look at it from 6am to noon. Like, what can I get done from 6 a.m. to do? That's a whole day for me. He goes, 12 to 6 is another day for me. He goes, so I pay, he goes, I take one day and I make it into three days. He goes, by the fact that I isolate out those things that aren't going to move the needle. You know, how much time do I really need to spend on social media? How much time is that really moving the needle on what's the most important factor in my life and being able to, I, you know, I, I figured that out. I mean, for me, it was back in 2008 when I was at a funeral and I was sitting there thinking like, okay, if I died tomorrow, who would show up and what would they say? And I had to get honest with myself, Gary, I had to sit there and say, this was back in 2008. And I said, you know, um, probably 10 or 15 people are going to show up. They're going to bring Miller Genuine Draft and Jack Daniels and a bunch of Bon Jovi and Motley Crue records. And they're going to talk about all the stupid shit Chris did. Remember that time Chris did that? Remember that time Chris passed out? Remember that time just Chris chased that girl? Remember that time? Oh yeah, he was a homeless seventh grade dropout who got a master's degree and helped change the world. You know, I figured it was going to be a, like 90% of stupid stories, Chris. Like, oh yeah, he did this. And I sat there and I thought about it on the way home, Gary. And I was like, I was mad. I was like, I don't want that to be my eulogy. I don't, you know, everybody it's again, how you make them feel. And they're not going to remember, you know, necessarily what you did, but how you made them feel. And I was sitting there thinking about it and I got home and I wrote my eulogy. God's honest truth. I took pen and paper out and I wrote my eulogy. And from that, it gave me my big why. It gave me my legacy. And to your point before, then I start working backwards. Like, okay, how can I make that legacy uh, a reality? Okay, what's the needle mover that I need to do today that's going to have compound interest in 10 years, in five years, in two years, in six months, whatever it might be? What is that going to be? And focus on that and instill that and make sure that happens before anything else happens. So I think about I think about that's an opportunity for us. And the other opportunity I think that I have for the, the question I have for you is, I've studied successful people for now, probably a better part of 30, 40 years. I'm 53 now. And one of the things I've found uh, from successful people is they start their morning with a particular routine to set them up for success. Do you have any particular morning routines that set you up for success or a nightly routine that sets you up for success? 
Yeah, I do two things. One, I, I'm an expressive driver. And so my desk has to be clean at night for me to come back into a clean desk. And because if I'm reorganizing in the morning, it sets me back. But my morning routine is I do the normal thing, go take a shower, because I have to get up and, you know, be presentable to me. Yeah. And, and then I grab a cup of coffee. And the first thing I do is write out my get statements. It's that programming that reminding myself, my subconscious actually, of why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I can see what it is that is giving me the, the benefit of that invested time. And the other thing that I have done with time is I've shrunk the time for accomplishment of whatever the task is. My appointments with my clients are 40, up to 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. They're not an hour. And I have these buffers in between to where I can make the phone calls. I can post something. I can talk to my staff, whatever it is that I need to get done. But I have, <laughs> I use a Franklin planner and I like you, I have my tasks down, but I have it designed. What are the most important things that are going to give me and the people I serve the biggest and best results, the fastest results, cleaning my desk, you know, taking the trash out, doing some things that need to be done. Right. It goes down on the list and I catch that later on. But then I end the day with meditation music where I can, you know, be quiet and listen. Most people don't listen to what their their creativity self inside of them is wanting to share. And so I will lay in bed and I'm listening to this music and it will create that picture for you and go, oh, that's right. There was there was something there. I hadn't thought of it before, but actually I probably had, yeah. but it didn't think into my conscious awareness. And so those are the two things I do on both ends. Nice. I love that. I, and I, I studied Robin Sharma, the 5 a.m. club, and just all they do, they have this, this particular routine, like they own that first hour of the day. And I, from what I've understood from psychology is that when you set that intention for the day, like for me personally, when I wake up in the morning before my eyes open, I say what I'm grateful for, because I found gratitude is the cornerstone for everything for me. Um, gratitude has, has been essential for my life, no matter how bad or, or fucked up my life was. If I could find what I was grateful for in that moment, that set the tone between me being a victim of a situation or a victor of a situation. So I look at that. And then the, the second thing that I've added over since COVID was I started talking a lot about intentions. Like, are you being intentional with your goals? Are you being intentional with the legacy? And I kept hearing intentions. And I'm like, okay, what if I incorporate that into my morning routine? So before my eyes open, I say what I'm grateful for. And then I set the intentions for the day. My intention is to be present and playful with my son. My son's going to be six years old at the end of the month. I'm 53. Do the math. So my, my intention is to be present and playful with my son. My intention is to use my words and my actions to make the world a better place. My intention is to uh, uh, gain 10,000 more followers, whatever it might be, to to set that intention. And then as I'm going through my day, Gary, as I sit there and if I'm having a funky moment, you know, and I have them, I'm not perfect. I tell my I tell all my followers, I'm not always upbeat and Mr. Positive. I'm not. But if I'm having one of those negative Nelly moments, which I call them, I ask myself, did I set that intention this morning that I was going to be this way today? No. Okay. What was one of the things I set the intention on? Have I done all of those things? Have I been present and playful, my son? Yes. Okay. Have I used my words and my actions to make the world a better place? No. Okay. What can I do right now? I could do a toast. I can do a, a, a post, not toast. I could do a post. I could do a walk and talk video. I can make a phone call. I could send somebody a message. I could do something right now. 
And I swear to God, Gary, as I'm sitting here as my own coaching client, that works phenomenally to be able to shift your perspective and shift your position in that moment where you're not being productive, you're not moving the needle, just to go back to the simple intention that you set that morning and to execute on that sets the sets the path for being positive from that point forward. So we got to we got to take ownership for our life. We got to take ownership for our language that we use on our shelf. We got to take ownership for our future where so many people are out there putting it on everybody else. They're putting, oh, that's, yeah, I'm going to blame them or I'm going to wait for the government to send me my student loan retribution, whatever the hell it is. You know, I'm going to, it's all this, it's everybody else's fault. It's not my fault, but all those people are going to end up with at the end of the day are regrets. Well, what you're describing too, is that when you were feeling down, you're looking inward and the things that you were just describing, you're looking outward. Yeah. And when we do that, when we're in a serving mentality, as like back to the word type thing, I hate the word sell. I use the word share. I use the word serve. And when we're in that intention of serving, it, it changes the dynamic within us. And it doesn't even mean that anything miraculous is going to come out of it as a result. Right. Uh, but it's sometimes just smiling at somebody, you know, it, it, it's just what can we give somebody without a, a hook, yeah. without a, you know, agenda that we have to receive something, to get them to do something. And when we do that, there, there's the law of reciprocation does work. Mm -hmm. and it, it happens. I mean, it just, I mean, we haven't spoken in quite a while. And then we came up on radar, you reached out, you know, in fact, I think we set this up two or three months ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, 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 everything happens for a reason. Yes. And we, most of the time, we will never know the why. We just know that it's a privilege and an opportunity to make a difference. And yes. when we do that, you know, life is really a lot of fun. It's, it's really kick-ass. It and, is. You know, it's, um, it makes people really wonder about us. I know that. Yeah. Like, what is that person doing? What are they drinking? What are they? I'm like, I'm just happy to make other people's ha lives happier. I mean, that's that at the end of the day, my son sees that I'm like, I say hi to everybody. I look mean and intimidating. I look like what's, what's this guy doing? But I literally, I walk my son a mile and a half to and from school every day. And I say hi to everybody. I say, good morning. How are you doing? I make sure that when I see a cashier, that 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 cashier goes home at the end of the day and goes, oh, my, you know, somebody says, how was your day? There was this guy in this bandana and a hat on backwards that like made me laugh or, or gave me some sort of like life advice or just, you know, it was just the coolest person that wasn't a dick about something, you know, because I'll sit there and I'll try to I'll try to leave that impression. Like I want to leave the impression with somebody that is the best impression that they get all day. And I figured if we all aspire to do that, what an amazing world we'd be living in. Yeah, you know, my kids have asked me if I'm running for office. And, you know, I consider life is cheers. I, I, I walk into the bank. I walk into the grocery store. I was Yesterday, I was at the grocery store. There was one of the supervisors. And as I was leaving, it was a little later in the evening. I said, you are always here. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And he just looked at me like I had three heads. <laughs> I, said, well, I appreciate you, too. You know, I did put a smile on her face, but I meant it. Yeah, I, mean, I noticed. And when we do that, it, it, it really becomes, uh, I, again, a lot of fun. It's joyful. And I don't know her name. I don't know what she had been doing before, but I know I left her with a smile. Yes.
that's so important and speaking of leaving this uh broadcast is coming up to an hour i've been i've been bending your ear for quite a bit thank you gary i wanted one final question before i ask you where people can get a hold of you what is some advice you would give young gary i mean you've had a, a tremendous life you have a tremendous disposition and a personality that i just love and, and embrace uh, what advice would you give to young gary maybe maybe 15 year old gary 20 year old gary what would you go back and, and give that that little boy some advice don't listen to the naysayers yeah you know, I, I did not come from privilege. I didn't, I came from, you can't, you wouldn't, you shouldn't, you're not qualified, you don't deserve uh, to, to just go and risk more. Yeah. And, and I'm not talking about risk as, you know, let's get on top of a car and go down the freeway at 80 miles an hour. I, I'm talking about doing more where you have the opportunity to grow. And, you know, that just that, become who you were meant to be yeah i love that i love that gary barnes where can people get a hold of you brother uh gary at gary barnes international is my actual website or my email people can get a hold of me there uh, i always give away a free gift when i do this it's a uh, free gift from gary.com my group coaching you know for 30 days and just see what the community's like but yeah i mean it's stuff like that it's you know, the Gary Burns, I'm really uh, kind of the common deal. Gary Burns International, you can find me there. But uh, I would love to hear people's story. I, I call it the story behind the story. Yeah. You know, not here I am, this is what I've done. I know I want to know the story behind the story. And Absolutely. just getting to meet people, that's why I love you. You know, you, you have that. I mean, what you see is what you get. I tell people, if you like me on stage, you'll like me off. If you like me off, you'll probably like me on. Yep. I don't know how to be two people, but mm -hmm. yeah, that, that'd be me. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Gary. I appreciate you, brother. I actually had somebody, I met some people from the internet yesterday, uh, the Chateau Marmont, uh, the hotel up there in uh, Los Angeles. And the people said, oh my God, you look like you look on, on screen. And then within 20 minutes, like you're exactly the way you are on screen. I'm like, that's all I know how to be. And they're like you'd be surprised how the, they would start telling stories that they met. Oh, I met this person, kind of name dropping, and I'm like, well, no, I'm just I, I I was trying to be everybody else before, but now I'm just being myself, and that's the best way to be because then you don't have to think about it. <laughs> well, then you become relatable. Yeah, and I, I grew up in Palm Springs. I grew up, you know, around celebrities and whatever, and I enjoy them as long as they're real. Yeah. <laughs> and many of them are way more messed up than we are. Gary Barnes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to put you backstage, brother. I appreciate you for being here. I'm going to end out the show. Don't go anywhere because I still want to talk to you for a second, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you, brother. And there we have it, ladies and gentlemen, uh, another beautiful conversation. That's what these are. These are conversations. And I apologize. I didn't get a chance to check and see what was going on over here, guys, with your comments. But uh, Anya said she was doing great. We got Nellie in the house. What's up, Nellie? Hooked on Humanities in the house. Nellie was just a guest on our uh, Friday night show, The Unfiltered Experience, which I could not get out of my brain earlier when I was trying to launch this show. We got Robert in the house. He says, uh, greetings. Sorry, I'm late. Uh, Hex-related stream continues ongoing, and I lose track of my time my bad all right robert you have to write five thousand times i will not be late for the ron and scripted show anymore uh appreciate you being here buddy you get here when you get here you know there's always replays going on we got uh num nums for birdies i don't know why i'm all of a sudden getting these uh these yippee kaye motherfuckers in here uh i had a sex one last week i don't know but yeah fly your freak flag do whatever you got to do um appreciate that and all you beautiful people being here um 
what does this say it's enough to drive you crazy if you let it someone should make a movie about it wait they did oh i'm sorry maybe num nums for birdies is actually not a, a fake thing uh i'm like hurry vp for the win i don't know i get messed with sometimes so i'm not sure if you're messing with me or not but appreciate you being here and then we got facebook user saying first time checking you out won't be the last great show well thank you facebook user i know that could either be um angel every once in a while it comes up facebook user but uh appreciate it and uh robert says here thank you both well thank you robert for being here and uh listen ladies and gentlemen i just want you to take to heart what we've said here in this conversation tonight life is short you guys have heard me talk about the book if you're new to the show you haven't heard me talk about it but the book the five regrets of the dying the top regret of the dying was the fact that people lived the life they thought they were supposed to live they didn't live the life they wanted to live now think about this fast forward wherever you're at in your journey you're 78 years old you're 80 years old you're 90 years old, 90 years old and you're looking back on this particular period in your life and you're like man did i take those chances did i take those risks or did i live in worry about what so-and-so was going to say oh yeah so-and-so's dead that doesn't really matter anymore um yeah the point is guys we have today we have these moments right here right now in front of us and the point of the conversation tonight is to get you to really visualize in your brain who it is that you want to be who do you want to be remembered for and then asking yourself what imperfect action can i take right now that by doing so will set in motion the path for me to achieve that and then every single day taking that imperfect action and failing your way to success when you think about it you have survived a hundred percent of the things that have happened in your life and you may have not known what to do but you figured it out like we were talking about at the top of the show the fact that the ten thousand dollars the only thing that changed in the fact of somebody getting ten thousand dollars and it couldn't be illegal immoral or unethical was the leverage you know, when you put leverage into your life, when you create leverage, proactive leverage for yourself to say, listen, this is the legacy that I'm going to leave. This is what I want to be remembered for. And then putting that action into motion every single day, no matter what you can do, if you could do one simple action, think about that one simple action every single day, 365 days, compound interest, 365 steps that have moved you closer to that position where you want to be right and you think about it every step you take and every win that you achieve you gain a little bit more courage you gain a little bit more confidence you gain a little bit more strength hey that wasn't so bad hey that was actually pretty easy i had built it up so negatively in my mind what else can i do open your mind to the possibilities guys the possibilities not the restrictions not the limitations not the excuses not the bullshit. what can i do what would it be like if i had unlimited confidence and, and empowerment in myself and i knew that whatever action i took would be going for my greater good would I be afraid to take any actions anymore? Would I sit here in this quiet, miserable situation going, man, life has done me wrong. Everything's fucked up. Don't you agree? Yeah, don't you? Let's call Phyllis and see if she agrees too. Yeah, Phyllis, do you agree too? Yeah, let's get more people over here and let's, let's all be mad at the world. Let's be all mad at the world. Let's wait for somebody to bring it to us. We deserve it. Somebody should bring it to us. Meh. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna die uh, in, in, a, in quiet desperation, ladies and gentlemen. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Decide who you want to be remembered for. And every single day for me, I want to be remembered for somebody who was polite to people who lifted people up, who made a difference in their lives, no matter if it was small or big. I want people to remember me for being somebody who listened, who was compassionate, who was empathetic, who, who desired to do something different to make this world a better place. So if this is the last thing I ever do, God is my witness. If I fall down the stairs and die, and this is the last thing I ever do, my son, my family could come watch us and go, was he on his point? Was he on point with that legacy that he wrote, the eulogy that he wrote? Yes. That's what we want. So every single day when you're living for that and you're fighting for that and you're striving for that and you're going out there and risking and you're sweating and you're, you're bleeding and you're crying and everything else is happening in your life, that's living. 
playing the someday game, hope, hoping the someday game, hoping, wishing, and praying that someday something's going to change. You're wasting your life. You're wasting your life. It's amazing. There's so many people out there who aren't living, who want to die. And there's so many people out there who are dying to live. You got to switch it up, ladies and gentlemen. If there's anything I can do to help you guys, you guys know I'm here. You guys know I'm here. No excuses, coach. No excuses, coach.com. Go check it out. I love you guys. First time our Facebook user says first time checking it out. Won't be. Oh, sorry. I got that one before. Um, yes, yes, yes. Uh, Robert says here, this is what I will remember. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you guys. We're going to be back here next week on the Raw and Scripted show. Let's see who we got up next week. I've, uh, people said, can you tell us who's going to be coming up the next week? Next week. Oh, oh my God. My, my guest for next week. Oh my God. I don't even know if I could tell you guys. I don't know if I could tell you guys. Uh, my guest for next week is me. My coach said, Chris, I watch your show and you're always interviewing other people. You never do a solo show. Why don't you do a solo show? Why don't you teach us something? Why don't you just put the spotlight on yourself? So next week, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be me. And I have no idea what I'm going to be talking about. I'll probably be talking about something about uh, how to close out your year, how to uh, review your goals, how to set up goals for you know next year because we're going into 2023. Um, my group coaching program will be launching in January as well. I apologize. I was going to get it launched in November, but I still got one going on right now. And I've got a bunch of other things going on, so I don't have the capacity to start another one right now. So we'll probably do it in January. If you're interested, hit me up. You guys know where to find me. Otherwise, go out there and be magnificent. Take the notes that you uh, wrote down from this particular broadcast. If you wrote notes, if you didn't write notes, go back and listen to it again and write three things down and start taking action on them. And I promise you, you will get there one step at a time. Go be brilliant. Love you guys. Raw and scripted.